Welcome to Church on the Hill. Man, God is so good, isn't He? All the time. You know what He is? He's greater. God is greater. God is greater. There we go. He is greater than you. He is greater than me. He is greater than fear. He is greater than my circumstance. God is greater. God is greater than darkness. Everybody say amen. 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 I'm glad you agree. What's he greater than, church? Everything. He's greater than sin. Now, church, I want to encourage you. Let me be a kind of a cheerleader today. It's easy to see this message and think, oh, man, I know this. But I want to ask you, are you battling? Are you battling relationship? Are you battling life? Are you battling sin? Are you battling your thoughts? Are you battling forgiveness? Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short. So don't check out on me today. I believe today is a very key day for Church on the Hill. That I want you to know that what you're facing, God is greater. And I believe this word today is going to speak directly to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, But thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to victory over sin, the only way is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. No way around it. You cannot do it on your own. I don't care how great you think you are. You can't. If you could, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died on the cross for you. You can't. I can't. You can't. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Do you ever think about Jesus carrying your sin? Do you ever think about when we talk about salvation, when we talk about upcoming Easter, what Easter really meant? What Easter really means? That Jesus carried your sins that you would do, that you will do. He carried and He paid that price for you. Man without sin took those sins to death so that you would be dead to sin. And you could live a life that Christ deserved. Man, what a deal. Only someone who never sinned could truly pay that price. He carried your sin to the cross. He paid the price for that sin. He died for that sin once and for all so that you could be dead to sin and receive the life, the life Christ deserved. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Church, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, sin shall no longer be your master. Before Jesus was in your life, sin had control. New King James says that sin shall not have dominion over you. 
meaning it no longer rules you. Sin no longer has power over you. James chapter 3 tells us that we will struggle, we will stumble, but we should never say, this sin has defeated me, I give up. Do you know nowhere in Scripture is our, is our plan with God a give up plan? Never. Never. We don't give up. I've read to the end. I've read the end of the book. We win. Why would you quit knowing you win? Don't quit. Jim Valvano, before he died of cancer, that was his statement. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. I think that's the message for you today. Don't give up. Romans 6, I got that one. Even though we stumble, get up. The power of Christ's resurrection at work within us is greater than any power, any sin, no matter how long that sin has been in you. You have some of those that you just cannot shake. You and I both do. But I want you to know, regardless of whether you've had this in your life your whole life and you've just decided that's part of you, that's a lie from the pit of hell trying to get you to hang on to that. The power of the cross, the power of Jesus in you is more powerful than that thing you are having a hard time shaking. It's greater. To be under the law, which we just read, is to be under a system of trying to earn your salvation in your own strength by obeying the law, by obeying those commandments. But to be under grace is to be justified and to live according to the indwelling resurrection power of Christ within me. The power is in you. The power is in me. We can die to sin, not because the law forbids it, but through all the resources that grace provides. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, I also pray that you will understand this incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power, verse 20, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. What is that saying? That the same power that's in Christ is the same power that's in you. I've got the power. No, I've got the power. <laughs> you have the power. That power is in you. That power is in me. You want to hear something that will blow your mind? If you've received Christ, the moment you walked in here, the power of Christ got here. And one can put a 1,000 to flight. Ten can put 10,000 to flight. How many of us have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Try to do the math on that. Do you realize the power in this room? It's victory power. It's overcoming power. We're good at singing the song. We've got to be good at overcoming. We're more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We've got Christ in us. 
When I show up, Christ shows up. Wow. Romans chapter 6, let's go back to there. The next verse, we, we, were, we were on 14, 15. Let's go to 15. Uh, did I leave that one out? I read it. Let's go on to the next one. Romans 6, verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Have you ever heard that? Since we're under grace, then we ought to be able to sin. No. Wrong. Verse 16. You know, we're good at picking out one verse and just standing on that verse, but then we don't read the second one. Let's read the second one. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Verse 17. But thanks be to God though, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Amen. Amen. I didn't mean to put that up, but I'm going to leave it up there. A person, who is a, who, a person is a slave to what he obeys and what he recognizes as his master. If he obeys the commands of sin, then sin is his master, and he is moving in the direction of eternal death, ultimate death, all the while experiencing a death life now. Man, I'm yelling. That's what preachers do, isn't it? <laughs> Some of you are like, he needs to calm down just a little bit. Amen. Let me tell you, sin will take us to hell. Do you realize the rescuing power of Christ? Take it. Take the rescue. I want to encourage you, take the rescue. If you obey the commands of righteousness, then righteousness is our master, and we experience true life. I want you to know, church, you have the power to say no. Everybody say no. no. Wow. Everybody say yes. yes. We say yes, Lord. We say no, Satan. No. You know, it sounds so easy until there it is. But I want you to know when it's here, you have the power. No one said it would be easy. Enduring is not easy. But nothing can push you so far that you break because of that sin. It can't push you that far. You won't break. His grace is sufficient for us. You have the ability to resist. We just don't do it. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, I want you to know, church, this, this message is for the church. This isn't for the world. This is for the church. This message is for us. We shall overcome. Romans chapter 6, let's continue. Verse 19. I'm using an example from everyday life. Because of your human limitations, limitations, just as you offered 
Just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to encourage you just a minute. I'm going to be reading a lot of Scripture today. I have found in my personal life that Romans is pretty straightforward. I love reading Romans because I don't have to, I don't have to work real hard at it. Some Scripture you've got to work at. You've got to dig to understand. You've got to pray. But I feel like Romans, many times right here, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, which we're going to be touching today, just speaks my language. I get it. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of hitting you with a lot of Scripture today. But, but listen to me, church. Christ followers are devoted to Christ. Christ followers follow Christ. You call yourself a Christian, but do you follow Christ? If you call yourself a Christian, your life will show it. After Sunday, after Sunday morning, do you follow Christ? Are you talking with Him? Are you worshiping Him? Are you obeying Him? Are you learning about him? Or maybe you're a follower of church. Maybe you're a follower of religion. Maybe you're a follower of something else. Don't get me wrong. Church is great. Jesus Christ came back for, is coming back for the church. But we're not followers of church. We're followers of Christ. We are to follow Christ. Are you following Christ? How do we follow Christ? We read His Word. We're filled with His Spirit. We connect to the body, the church, and we follow Him. No wonder we have no power over sin. It's no wonder. We've, we've removed the plug from the wall. We're expecting our phones to charge, but they're not because it's not connected. It's connected to the wrong thing, and there's no power there. Connect to Christ. The rest will follow suit. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Put Christ first. The script, this scripture includes your everyday life. Follow Christ in your everyday life. Now, I want you to know there is a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. War. And there's only one thing that can break your thought process. Only one thing that can, mess up, that can, that can straighten out your messed up worldview. How many of you know we've got some messed up worldviews? Even in the church. Especially in the church. And, and, and there's only one thing that can soften a hard heart. Look here at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. 
It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Elizabeth and I, I'm sorry I rubbed my eyes. Just forgive me. I'm I'm working on mannerisms. Rub my eyes, wipe my nose. Who knows what? Whatever. Okay, I'm going to move on. Elizabeth and I were walking after our morning devotional, by the way. Y'all are, y'all are keeping track. Yeah, we're awesome. But we're walking. And I was just kind of tossing around with her this subject, and I was just asking her, I want you to share. I want you to share your heart. I don't see where you struggle with sin, but I know that you do because Scripture tells us that we do. And she said, oh, yeah, I do. And, you know, she's hopefully going to share it toward the end. But I I struggle to even go down this road with you, but how does this power of Christ really work? How many of you have been saved for years but are still struggling so hard with, with sin? And I have been there. And how does it work? And she just fired back. It works by faith. The things that are unseen, believing that they are seen. But take, for instance, this scripture right here. You've probably got some things that are wrong in your mind, in your programming, in your heart, in your life. Um, I know that I do. I know that I'm not Christ. I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm not God, which means I've got things that I need to work on. I'm growing. I'm a work in progress. I'm transforming. But the Word tells us... That if we will be in the Word, He will show us our innermost thoughts and show us what's right. Did y'all get that from this Word? It'll separate between the things that can't be separated. It will show me what's false in my life, not just show me what's false. I don't like people telling me what I'm doing wrong. I like people that'll tell me what I'm doing wrong and what's the solution, what's the right thing to do. It's fine to tell me we don't need to do this, but what do we need to do? Any of you live that kind of life? I want to know the application. But I want you to know it comes by faith. And don't trust me, trust the Lord. That when he says, if you will get in the word, I will show you the truth. He's going to. That as you get in this word, he will show you your innermost thoughts. And lay them out before you and help you. Deal with him. He's not going to show you how bad you are and then shove you down and say, man, what an idiot. He's going to say, no, here's the truth, and I'm going to empower you to overcome that lie. But it comes by faith. You've got to just get in the Word. I can't do that part for you. The church can't do that part for you. You have to do it. You have to get in the Word. You have to pray. You have to seek the Lord with all diligence. You have to move. Even though you may have believed a lie 
or you're lying to yourself, the word will shine the light on it and that light cannot be dimmed. Darkness will flee. The word of God will expose our innermost thoughts and desires. It will call them what they are, not how we sugarcoat them and justify them. We've got to welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit through his word and understand that the conviction of sin, listen church, the conviction of sin is an expression of God's mercy. He is having mercy on us, showing us our sin. Because once that conviction, true conviction from the Lord comes, forgiveness and repentance comes next. You say, I'm not good enough. You're right. You say, I'm too bad. You're right. You are. But Jesus isn't. And Jesus is. He is good enough. He didn't come for those who were righteous. He didn't come for the perfect people, for the people who had no needs. He came for the sinner, for the fallen. He came for me and you. Luke chapter 5 verse 31, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus came for the sinner. He came for the sick. Do you know what? Because I am a sinner, it makes me eligible for the mercy of God. That qualifies me as the one Jesus came for. Because you're a sinner doesn't disqualify you. That's a lie. Because you're, you've fallen and you're not perfect, you're qualified. You ever try to get a job and you're not qualified? I want you to know you are qualified for the power of Christ to work in you. He created you so that he could work in you. Are you struggling with sin? I want to do good, but I don't. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Now, uh, here we're just going we're, we're to read a little bit. Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. But I felt like I had a word while we were um, worshiping. Because many of you may not be in your word regularly. Many of you may say, Pastor, this is for me. I'm really struggling with sin, and what you're telling me is I need the Holy Spirit, and I need the Word. I need to make some application in my life. Well, I want to encourage you just a minute. You're going to get started in your first week, and you're going to be in the Word, and you're trying with everything that you got, and then all of a sudden, hell shows up at your door, and your tank's a little bit empty. But you're trying. This morning, um, we did a brand new song. I wasn't here for practice uh, Wednesday night. And we did a brand new song. Man. <laughs> Power of Christ. Right there. Lift that roof in that place in Jesus' name. Do you know that when we baptized kids, we had, we had a kind of a faux pas and we couldn't have a children's church worship. We're starting live worship in there now. It's been awesome, but we had a miscommunication on schedules and the kids had to come in here two weeks ago and I don't know if you saw them all but we had a ton up there so balcony people I'm sorry it just happens every now and then we try not to try not to impose on you but here they all come 
We baptized three or four children, and 10 children in the back said, I want to be baptized. Open door for them to receive Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, but we do this new song. I wasn't prepared, but there was this keyboard part that uh, Zach had uh, put into uh, to a computer thing and was playing for us. And I'm like, I can do that. Shut that thing off. I'll do that. He's like, no problem. Let's learn it. We learned it this morning and good to go. So, or at least I thought I was awesome. I, he didn't tell me I wasn't awesome, but I thought I was great. <laughs> Thanks. But we take off and, and, and we do our first three songs. And by the time we got to the offering song, which was the song I was playing on, I started thinking, I don't remember the first note. <laughs> and if you go back and listen to the recording, you'll hear me. It's bad. And the Lord just showed me, as long as you trust me, as long as you're walking with me, you may not be able to grasp that word, but I will be with you. You don't have to be a scholar and be, have the ability to memorize Scripture in order to have success out here in your walk. You just need the Lord. So even though I had, I had worked, I had practiced, I wasn't ready. But sure enough, as the song got going, it came back. And the Lord was just saying, hang in there. Don't not play the song because you don't remember it. Just don't make a big fool of yourself. I mean, he, was, he didn't say that, but I'm thinking... <laughs> I got to find myself in a way that I don't distract everybody. So I just was patient, started praying. Sure enough, there it is. And in the same way, you're going to start this week, and you're going to feel like, oh, man, this sin seems to be overtaking me. No, it can't. It does not have the power to. You do. And you know what? It took the whole team for me to get back on track. If it had just been me, I could have never got it. With the music in front of me, with everything in front of me, I couldn't have got it. It took my team. They didn't even know they were helping me. But I stayed connected, I listened, and I waited for the Lord until I found it. Now, I want you to know, don't quit. Get in the Word. It has taken me years to be able to bring to remembrance some scriptures. I still can't remember some. I usually talk to my mother. Mom, what was the scripture? Oh, it's this, it's this. Oh, I, I hate you. No, I don't hate you. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't that just drive you nuts? I want to be able to remember it like that. <laughs> Maybe. There has been so many times that in my walk, I don't have the exact scripture, but if I will stop and go look, I will find it. Sometimes I find that in my own quiet time. Sometimes I find that in interaction with another brother. Sometimes I find that with my wife. Sometimes I find it with my kids. Sometimes I find it just being out in nature, walking around, and God shows me his power. But as long as I'm looking for him, I find him. It's when sin comes and I stop looking to God and I look to that sin that I can't overcome that. I've got to stay focused on God. All right, let's read some scripture. Romans 7, 14. The trouble's not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Now, let me stop just for a second. The law cannot deliver us from sin. 
even though it's good and totally correct, there is no power in the law to deliver us and give us power over sin. It shows us our sin, but it is powerless to produce holiness. The problem's not with the law. It is with the law of sin and the indwelling depravity of human nature which rebels against God. Paul is saying, I'm carnal, I'm flesh, I'm sold under sin in captivity to sin. Romans chapter 7 verse 14. Same scripture, this is from the message. Uh, Mike, you'd help me out here, I'm just going to read with you. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide to go one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it's obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. If I know the law but still can't keep it, And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. Catch this. I can will it, but I can't do it. That's me. I decide to do good, but I really don't do it. I decide not to do bad, but I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. Can you relate? Don't check out on me. Verse 21, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. There is no one who can do, is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? 25, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Romans chapter 8. Now, can you see there's not a lot of preaching that needs to be done here. This is kind of saying what needs to be said. Romans chapter 8. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation, the spirit of life in Christ. A strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny and the hands of sin and death. You are free. You are free of sin and death. They no longer have power over you. We have read in Scripture that sin no longer has power over Jesus. Death no longer has power over Jesus. Jesus has overcome the grave, and what he received, we receive. The grave cannot hold us anymore. We probably are still going to die. You are going to die. 
but the grave can't hold you. It's not powerful enough. It's not strong enough. God is greater. We don't have to fear death. Now, it's going to get good. Verse 3, if it's not already good. God went for the jugular when he sent his son. God went for the jugular when he sent his son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was, weakened as it always was fractured by human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up in being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Even though the law was given by God and is perfect, it was powerful, powerless to enable people to meet its demands because it depended on me. And we couldn't do it. After Jesus died and arose, he ascended into heaven and he sent his spirit, one just like him, so that we could have his spirit, his power, his mind, his ability to win over sin. Now, I'm almost done. Verse 5. Those who think they can do it on their own end end up, end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions find themselves, finds that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us in, out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. The person who ignores God is and what he, that person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. Verse 9. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience the limitations, limitations of sin, you will experience life on God's terms. Have I lost y'all? Hang in there with me. It stands to reason it doesn't. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if an alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God leaves and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are places to go and people 
to see. You have got something better in your life than what you are living. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It is adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are, Father and children. And we know that we're going to get what's coming next, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then he's surely going to be with us on the good times. How do we do it? We don't. Jesus did. Jesus in us will do it. We all stand up with me. Hebrews chapter 14, verse 16. And I'm going to skip. I'm going to go to the very end. Mikey, go to the last, Hebrews 14. Hebrews 4, 14. Should be the last two slides. Go back one, one slide. Now that we know we have Jesus, Jesus is the high priest with ready access to God. Let us not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experiencing it all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. The scripture that you know is come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. That word means without reservation, without, with frankness and full and open speech, you go ahead and share what's on your heart. God knows the sin that you're battling, but you need to converse with him about it. You need to talk to him about it. You need to talk to him through his word, through his spirit, down here at the altar, through a brother that's going to pray with you, through a sister that's going to pray with you. More than likely, this brother and sister have been through it too. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Let me tell you something. I've been through stuff. I come in here with a lot of baggage. But I want you to know my baggage was paid for. God paid for my baggage and I don't have to pay for extra bags when I go when I go flying with God. I don't get an extra $50 fee for an extra bag. Y'all try to check your bags? They go right over your head. God takes everything. He paid the price for everything. What you've walked in here with and you're battling receiving Christ right now because you're saying, I have done too much. You don't know what I've done. It's amazing that this church building didn't fall down when I walked in. If it was going to fall down on anybody, it was going to be on me. We have a past, but the Lord has paid for my past. It has been wiped clean. I am clean. I have been made the righteousness of Christ. You have been made the righteousness of Christ. Now it's time to not let that slip through your fingers and go take it. He has offered it to you. But you've got to come get it. Will you come get it? What are you battling? We all bow your heads. What are you battling? Come and receive Christ today. You may have received Christ as a child, but you're still battling sin. Come back and receive Christ. Come boldly to the throne of grace today. I thank you, Lord, that you are our healer, you are our deliverer, you are our provider. We look to you right now that you can do, 
we can have victory over what we're facing. Over a broken marriage, over a broken relationship, over a job problem, over a finance problem, over cancer, over heart disease, over uh, bipolar, over whatever. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. There is no power on this earth that can supersede God's power. And we lay that at your feet right now, Lord. Now just open this altar for you to receive Christ, for you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for you to receive healing, for you to receive prayer. Whatever you need, the answer is here. Will you come forward? Those praying, let's sing together.